I hope you've committed to memory. Hope you've committed to memory how great is our God. Scriptures like Psalms 145, 3. Great is the Lord, greatly to be praised, and his greatness is beyond understanding. God's greatness is beyond understanding. That's why we have to walk by faith and not by sight. We have to walk as we trust God and, and not by what we see happening around us because God's greatness is beyond understanding. And then we have First Chronicles 29, 11 says the Lord is the greatness and the power and the victory and the glory and the majesty. Everything that's in heaven and in earth is his. His is the kingdom. And he's exalted as head above all. So when we sing songs like that, we're not just singing them. We're singing the word of God to remind us how great is our God in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of a storm, in the midst of any and everything that we're going through. We are reminded that our God is great. And as we're walking through, as we go, as David said, as he goes through the valley of the shadow of death in Psalms 23, he fears no evil. Why? Because God is with him. And so we have to remember that. And uh, it's great to be great to be reminded this morning, this Sunday, how great is our God. Despite all this going on, we serve a great God who's not caught by surprise with anything that happens in our society or in the world at Lord at large. So, family, I do want to thank you for your giving. So grateful and so thankful. Remember, no amount too large or too small, but uh, you all have been very generous and, uh, and then just obedient to the word of God. Is, uh, you're, you're, you follow the word. We follow the word. No games, no tricks, no gimmicks. So you have been very obedient to the word of God. I want to thank you for that. Um, if you're uh, paying on online desktop, um, go to southbayalc.com, click the giving icon, and then just proceed accordingly. If you're on your phone, go to southbayalc.com, click the three bars at the top, then click the giving icon and give accordingly. If you're writing a check, make it payable to SBALC, mail it to 3553 Atlantic Avenue, Long Beach, California, 90807. Suite B-279, let me say that again. Make it payable to SBALC. Mail it to 3553 Atlantic Avenue, Suite B-279, Long Beach, California, 90807. Want to invite you all to Bible study this Wednesday from 6.30 to 7.30. We will be in 1 Kings chapter 20. Last week was the most amazing, one of the most amazing weeks we've had in Bible study. Just um, studying the word of God is just amazing. It's, it's incredible. God speaks. It's relevant. It's a reminder. It's a midweek reminder that God is still in control and nothing catches God by surprise. And it's also a midweek reminder to keep our life in perspective, to keep our week in perspective. And then there's principles of living, biblical principles of living that we can apply to our life daily. So I want to encourage you uh, this week, First Kings chapter 20, Wednesday night, 630 to 730. Uh, your life will be blessed, guaranteed. <clears throat> then if you have any prayer requests, uh, send us an email. Give us the privilege of praying for you. And I want to thank those of you that have emailed us. 
life at southbayalc.com, life at southbayalc.com. Thank you for the privilege of uh, praying for you. It is truly a priv privilege to pray for you, intercede for you, just like someone did for us, just like Jesus Christ is doing for us right now. We're just modeling what our Lord and Savior is doing as Jesus Christ is making intercessions for us, standing in the gap for us right now, praying that we realize that he is the, the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty, praying that we would understand that God will never leave us or forsake us, praying that God is with us in the midst of any and everything that we're going through. Christ is praying for us that we stay humble and obedient to him in the midst of our storm, in the midst of our failures, in the midst of our success, in the midst of our blessings. God's praying that we stay humble and obedient to him. And I, again, I want to thank you all that are praying and fasting with us this morning and just praying that God continues to heal, deliver, set free, touch hearts, touch lives, that, that hearts will be connected to Christ, rededicated to Christ uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit. So thank you for praying and fasting. Uh, it's definitely needed. And, and um, God is saying each Sunday, just, just come and expecting God to do some miraculous things. Jesus said in Mark 9, 29, that some things can only be delivered. This kind that we're dealing with, that kind can only be cast out by praying and fasting. So we're just following the model that Jesus Christ set by praying and fasting. Now, I want to let you know that the, um, the messages, uh, all the messages, the, uh, the video messages are posted uh, to our website. So if you want to share it, you can either share it through YouTube or you can go directly to our website, southbayalc.com, southbayalc.com. Click the icon that says uh, sermons, and then uh, if you click video sermons, you can share that um, with anyone. So it's all posted on our website. And so this message will be posted to YouTube uh, by tonight. And then by the end of the week, it'll be posted to our website. So you can always share, evangelize, send it to someone, tell them to listen to two or three minutes and tell you what they think. Don't have to get deep or complicated. Just send it out to someone you love, someone you've been praying for and someone you care about, and someone who's maybe in the midst of a storm or in the midst of their success, tell them to listen to the word of God. <laughs> you know, um, as high as you get, uh, you still need God before you come crashing down or before you transition to the presence of God. So don't be intimidated by a title or anyone's status. If they're not connected to Christ, they're searching and they need to be. So let's go ahead and get into the word. Enough talking. Um, if you would join me in prayer, Lord, we love you. We bless you. We thank you. We need you, Lord, from the prayer to the worship to the word. God, we need you. Holy Spirit, lead, guide, teach your people this morning. God, instruct us. We could get information anywhere. We're tired of information, God. We need revelation that leads to transformation. And then application so we can live it, the daily principles of your word. God, we need to live them daily. We love you, Lord. We bless you. We thank you. Holy Spirit, speak. We thank you that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto the path. It illuminates the way. So we try our best to navigate through a dark, fallen, broken, dead, decaying world. God, we need you so much. And we need a word from God this morning, a word from the word of God that penetrates our hearts, 
gives us practical application of how to live for God. Bless your people. Bless your word, Lord. Bless us to receive. Give us understanding. Give us your wisdom. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would, open your Bibles to the book of Jonah, chapter 1. And so as we've been going through our series, The Good Shepherd, we were in um, the book of Acts. Paul and Silas, they were ministering to the, to the oppressive guard. Despite how oppressive and abusive he was to them, they knew that he needed the word of God. So um, they ministered to him. And then we, we just were going through the word and we wound up in the book of Jonah because we're trying to figure out they ministered. Jonah ran from the ministry assignment. So we find ourselves in the book of Jonah. Jonah's in the midst of a storm. We're, we're, we're trying to figure out, are we running from the assignment of God? Are we going to surrender and submit to the will of God? So the other fishermen in the boat, the mariners, they're questioning Jonah. Look at verse Eight, Jonah 1 and 8, they're questioning Jonah. And I want you to make a note that the questions are taking place in the midst of a storm. Most people don't want to be asked a question when they're not in a storm, let alone being asked five questions in the midst of a storm. And they're begging Jonah to, to answer the question. So here we are in and as, as I'm studying this, as I was trying to continue on with the, with, the, with the message and the series, God had me pause right here. <clears throat> so I'm going so to take my time with, with Jonah 1 and 8. It's five questions that they're asking Jonah in the midst of the storm. And God is saying that we need to ask ourselves these same questions. They should have asked Jonah these questions before he got in the boat. So they had the right questions at the wrong time. But God says that this morning we have the right questions at the right time for us. So whether we're in the midst of a storm or not, these are questions that we need to ask ourselves. Those of you taking notes, be prepared to, to take notes. It's, it's, it's a powerful, powerful questions. Um, Five questions, they deal with five areas that are personal to all of us. First one deals with the predicament. First question deals with the predicament. Second one deals with purpose. Third one deals with position. Fourth one deals with place. And the fifth one deals with people. Let me say it again. Five questions. Predicament, purpose, position, place, and people. Questions to ask yourself in the midst of a storm. And here, make this note as well. These questions expose who you are in the midst of the storm. <laughs> These questions expose us, family, in the midst of a storm. One and eight, they asked Jonah. Then they said unto him, tell us, I'm begging you, I'm imploring you, tell me, tell us, for whose cause this evil is upon us. That's the predicament. What is your occupation? What is your service? What is your ministry? What is your job? It deals with the purpose. 
And why are you here? Whence comest thou? Why are you here? What are you doing here? Deals with your position. <laughs> what is your country? Who do you identify with? Do you identify with a kingdom or with a country? It's your place. And what people are you? Who are you? Who are you? <laughs> In the midst of the storm, what kind of people do you identify with? And it's all personal. It's all personal. It's not asking about anybody else. It's all about you and I, our personal relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So let's deal with the first question. Then they said unto him, tell us, why are we in this situation? Ask yourself. So this is a predicament. What predicament are you in? We're in a pandemic, but there's a storm, even in the midst of a storm. We have our own personal storms in addition to what's going on in the world. We have our own personal storms. The predicament. The storm exposes you. The storm exposes your purpose, your position, your place, and your people. So ask yourself, family, why am I in the middle of this situation? Why am I in the middle of this storm, this pandemic? If we're talking about a pandemic. People say, was it created in a lab? Was it, did it come from an animal? But I submit to you, why are we in the midst of this? Maybe it's because of our sin and our idol worship of false gods and straight up disrespect and rebellion to God. Why are we in this situation? Ask yourself the question and dig deep and get off the surface of life and dig deep. Why are you in your predicament? Why are you going through what you're going through? The storm is exposing you. And why are you in the situation that you're in? Then they asked Jonah, what is your purpose? What's your occupation, ministry, job? Who do you work for is what they're asking. Who do you work for? Make a note, family, ask yourself, who do you work for? Your boss, yourself, your family, your kids, go deeper. Right questions, right time this morning. Who do you work for? When we pull back the mirage and we pull back the curtains, we get past the deception and the distractions and the frustrations of this world. You and I only have two bosses. <laughs> We're going deep, but not complicated. We're being biblically correct, not politically correct. See, biblically correct, biblically correct as a pastor. I tell you what the word of God says in hopes that you learn to fear and have a healthy respect for God. Being politically correct, a politician's gonna tell you anything to make you feel good. I'm not here to make you feel good. I'm a pastor, I have to be biblically correct. I'm here to give you the word so you can fear God, have a healthy respect for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ and God the Father. I have to be biblically correct. So when you pull back the mirage, there's only two people that you can work for. They're asking, Jonah, who do you work for? I'm asking you this morning, who do you work for? And you can't say I work for myself because then by default, you're not working for God. It's only two bosses found either God or Satan. That's it. Biblically correct. Pull back the curtain. Get past the mirage and the distractions and the deception. And you'll see that you can only work for two bosses. Okay, pastor, I know. 
Take a look. Let's go to the word. It can say it better than I can. Let's go to 1 John 3. We're going to get deep but not complicated. Don't try, don't try and get technical on me. Say, well, you know, God and I, we have our own personal relationship. No, I'm talking about the word of God, what the word of God says. The word of God says you can only have two bosses. Right questions, right time that need to be asked this morning. Why are you in the situation that you're in? Is it your straight up disrespect and rebellion against God? What's your purpose? Who do you work for? 1 John 3 and 7 says, little children, like, and that's a translation that says, dearly beloved, God said, my children, my dear children, let no man deceive you. Underline that. Put a star by this scripture. I love the word of God. It says, it says it's so much better than I could ever say it. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that does righteous, righteousness, the person that's living right is right. Even as he is righteous, if you're living right, you're doing the right things. If you're practicing living right and doing the right things, then you're righteous in God's sight. Of course, we know this is through Jesus Christ because we know we don't get saved by works because those are only filthy rags. Isaiah made that clear. But he says, verse 8, if you practice sin, if you practice sin, you're of the devil. You only have two bosses. You live right through Christ and you do what's right. Or you practice sin and you serve Satan. Who do you work for? I ask you again this morning. In the midst of your storm, ask yourself, well, who am I working? No wonder why you're in the midst of a storm. And even when you work for God, you still have, you still, you and I still have to go through storms. So you're not exempt because you work from God. But I'm asking you the question now, who do you work for? It's personal. He says, if you're practicing sin and don't confuse the struggle with the practice. Right. I struggle with a lot of things. We all struggle with something, but I'm not practicing any sin saying this is just who I, just this is just who I am. This is what I do. This is how I get down. My dad was like this. His dad was like this. It just runs through our family. We all do this. I'm not practicing any sin. Right. Because if you're practicing sin, it says that you work for Satan. Now, we all struggle with temptations and frustrations and distractions. We all struggle with sin, but we're not practicing. You shouldn't be practicing any sin as a born-again Christian. So here we are in the midst. Remember, these questions are being asked in the midst of the storm. So ask yourself, why am I in this storm? And while you're in the storm, ask yourself, who do you work for? Jesus, Jesus made it clear in Matthew 7, 24. He said, the storm comes to those that are living right, whose foundation is God, and it comes to those who's not living right and whose foundation is sand. The storms came to both. But because we were rooted on the rock of Christ, those of us that are born again, regenerated from above, that's what it means, born again, connected heart to heart to Jesus Christ, we were able to stand in the midst of the storm. But those who built their foundation, their life, their career, their house on the sand, it was washed away and it fell. It was a house of cards. It was a sandcastle. Remember, sandcastles look really good. But once the wave comes, they wash away. Once the water comes, they wash away. Once the issues and the storm come, it just washes away. Don't build your life on a sandcastle. Know who you're working for. Self-evaluation this morning. 
Verse 8, he that commits, he that practices, practice sin is of the devil. For the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that, that he might destroy the works of Satan. That's why Jesus came and was manifested. John 1 and 14. And the word became flesh. And we beheld his glory. The glory is the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. Jesus was manifested so he could destroy the works of Satan when he was crucified and resurrected on the cross. So we see how it all works together. Otherwise, we wouldn't have a way out. We wouldn't have a way to be free. We wouldn't have a way to be rescued because we can't save ourselves. So Jesus was manifested. So either you work for God or you work for Christ. Either you work for Satan or you work for Christ. Verse 9. Whoever, whosoever, God never discriminates. God says whosoever, that means everyone has the opportunity to be born of God, to be born again, to be regenerated from above. Whosoever is born of God does not practice sin, for God's seed remains in him, and he cannot, he or she cannot sin because we're born of God. We just can't be comfortable in sin. Somebody say amen. <laughs> We might get caught up, but we're not comfortable there. We know I work for God. I got to get out of this. I know why I'm here, because I'm in disres disrespect of God and rebellion of God. I'm not comfortable in this. God's called me to a higher purpose. I'm so much better than this situation that I'm in because of my sin. And because I've been born again and regenerated from above, I'm never comfortable committing sin and disrespect and rebellion to God. And I know that I have to change at some point. I have to surrender to God. I got to submit to God, but I'm not comfortable there because I work for God. If you're comfortable, then you already know who you work for. It says Satan was a sin from the beginning. Verse 10, in this, the children of God are exposed because they're not comfortable in sin, but also, and the children of, of Satan are exposed because they practice sin. It's only two families. <laughs> they're asking, they're asking um, Jonah, and who, who, who are you? Who do you work for? I'm telling you this morning, who, I'm asking you, who do you work for? And I'm telling you, you, you can only work for two, two people, God or Satan. Well, pastor, I just have my own thing, me and God. We, I don't get into all that. And me, then, then by default, if it's not through Jesus Christ, you're working for Satan and you're being deceived. That's why I said in verse 7, little children, don't let anybody deceive you. You have to discern the deception. Discern the deception this morning. Facebook family, go on and push the share button because they're a family and friends who need to discern the deception. It's deep, but it's not complicated. Be an evangelist. Just push that share button. Let people see for themselves. They got to discern the deception. We can't walk around being deceived. And, and as a pastor, I just can't be politically correct. I got to be biblically correct. You get all that on your on your mainstream news and from the politicians. That's not that's not what you get on Sunday mornings. It's not what you're supposed to get on Sunday mornings. You need the word. Well, all that stuff, all that noise, we don't need, we're not, we're not going to talk about that. We're talking about the word of God. We're talking about who do you work for? Why are you in the storm that you're in? Because we refuse to humble ourselves and submit to God and turn from our wicked ways. They're asking Jonah, who do you work for in the midst of the storm? We're in the midst of a storm. 
And even in the midst of your success, you have to ask yourself these questions. Verse 10, in, th in this the children of God are exposed and the children of Satan are exposed. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God. If you're not living right, if you're not practicing living right through Christ, you're not of God, period. That's the word. And then he, had, then he adds too, neither he that loveth not his brother. So if you don't love your brother, and we talked about it last week, your neighbor, your brothers, anybody you interact with, <laughs> That's how it's translated in the Greek. Who's my neighbor? Who's my brother? Who's my friend? Anybody you interact with. Second commandment, most important, God says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Well, who's my neighbor? We went over it last week. Take a look at the video two from uh, the 14th. What is love? What? And it says, who is my neighbor? Is anybody we interact with? See, you can't say, and that's, it, it just blows racism out of the water. You can't say you love God and you hate your brother. You are a liar. You're not serving the true and living God. See, now we know who you work for because it's exposed. Your works are exposed. Jesus Christ came so he can expose the darkness. Don't let anyone deceive you. Christ exposes the darkness. If you hate your brother because the way they look, the way they talk, the way they smell, the way they walk, what country they're from, the color of their skin. You work for Satan and you're a liar and you're being deceived. Who do you work for? Mankind has, has misrepresented God since the beginning and worked for Satan and tried to pretend they worked for God. The scriptures blow it out the water. It's no place for racism in the kingdom of God. And anyone says that it is that it's only a certain kind or a certain color that can be connected to God or have a relationship with God is deceived and they work for Satan according to the scriptures. Read it for yourself. Verse 11, for this is a message that you have heard from the beginning that we should love one another. Somebody say amen. Isn't that something? God doesn't complicate it. God says, show love, show kindness, show mercy, sh show grace. Each other, everybody that you encounter, the world would change overnight. I would say if the Christians, if the born again believers would practice this, we could change the world overnight. Just following the word of God. But look, look at verse 12. He does a comparison. He says, not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, not of Cain, who worked for Satan. Since the beginning of time, people have had a choice, two choices. Cain worked for Satan, Abel worked for God. That's the only two that were there. You can only work for two people. <laughs> and Cain made his choice to work for Satan. Abel made his choice to work for God. They only had two choices. That's all they had. So don't try and complicate it. It's not any other families, it's two families, the family of God and the family of Satan. Who do you work for? I asked you the question again this morning. Who do you work for? You only got two choices. Questions in the midst of a storm. Verse 12, let me finish this, 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 uh, the scripture. Not as Cain who was of the wicked one and killed his brother. And why did he kill him? Because his own works were evil, because he worked for Satan and his brother worked for God. Lord have mercy. 
And here we are today. Look at our society now. It's only two families you can work for. And why do we kill each other? I'll tell you why we kill each other. Because somebody's working for Satan and somebody's working for God. And we refuse to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And submit and surrender to the will of God. Let's go back to Jonah 1 and 8. So they asked Jonah, why are we in this situation? Why are you in this situation? Why are you in this predicament? They talk about his purpose. What's your purpose? Who do you work for? And then they asked him number three about his position. What are you doing here? Wow. Ask yourself the question. What are you doing here? Why am I in this situation? Who do I work for? Why am I here? Ask yourself this question this morning. Right question, right time. Look at your situation, whether it's your success, your failures, the storm, the pandemic. Ask yourself, why are you here? Huh. Where are you coming from? Where are you going? Why are you here? Talks about your position. So think about this. <laughs> in the midst of your storm, in the midst of where you are right now, let me ask the question. Let me make it plain as I can. In the midst of the storm, in the midst of this pandemic, in the midst of whatever you're going through, are you looking for God or is God looking for you? <laughs> Why are you here? What are you? They're asking John, how did you get here? What are you doing here on this ship? Are you looking for God or is God looking for you this morning? Look at this. So it talks about the position. And it's not talking about so much your physical location. It's talking about your spiritual situation. It's not talking about your bodily position, but it's talking about a sin condition. Let me say it again. He's saying, why are you here? He's not talking about his physical location. It, they see where he's at. But he's talking about his spiritual situation. It's not talking about your bodily position. Let's talk about the sin condition. Ask yourself, why are you here? Turn with me to, to 1 Kings chapter 19. Something we discussed in Bible study last week. Very relevant and appropriate for tonight. That night and this morning. God asked Elijah the same thing. Elijah just had the showdown with the the prophets of Baal and very successful, just had one of the most successful moments. Then he found out that Jezebel wanted to kill him. Then he went and ran in the cave, hid in a cave. First Kings chapter 19 and verse 13. Uh, let me start at verse 12. I'm sorry. It says, and after the earthquake of fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice, a delicate whisper. So it was an earthquake. It was a fire. It was a lot of noise. 
God wasn't in the noise. Make a note. Somebody make a note, those of you taking notes. God wasn't in the noise. Then after all the noise had stopped, God was in a delicate whisper. And he spoke to Elijah. Make a note. You gotta, that's why you got to get away and have your quiet time with God so you can hear that delicate voice through the word of God. You're not going to hear it with all the noise. You got to cut off the noise, the, the phone, the TV, the computer, the social media, the music, all of you got to cut it off and get quiet so you can hear the still small voice of God. See, most of us, we want to stay medicated, self-medicated through drugs or alcohol or vices, or we get intoxicated with pride and arrogance and narcissism, and we can't hear the, the small, delicate whisper of God. And we're being deceived and we're, and we're trying to say that God doesn't speak, but I submit to you, it's too much noise. And you can't hear the small, still voice of God because you refuse to humble yourself and be obedient and get quiet. And then sometimes I don't want to get quiet because I don't want to hear what God is saying because I know what God is saying. And I don't want to hear it. So I keep the noise going so I can ignore it. Then I find myself in the midst of the storm. And then somebody asks me, why are you here? And I run from the question. As we'll find out with, with Adam. God asked him, where are you? And like any self-respecting husband would do, <laughs> he blamed his wife. So we're always running and looking for someone to blame. Here we are. Let's finish the scripture. Verse 12, and after the earthquake of fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. The translation says a delicate whisper. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his clothes and went out and stood in the entering of a cave. The prophet is hiding in the cave. <laughs> and behold, there came a voice unto him and said, what are you doing here? God, God's asking the question. They're asking Jonah, what are you doing here? God's asking Elijah, what are you doing here? Why are you hiding in the cave? Why are you in this predicament? God's asking somebody this morning, what are you? As much as I've prepared for you and called for your life. He's asking, what are you, what are you doing here? Look at, look at, look at Adam. Let's go. Let's go to uh, Genesis 3. God is full of questions. God is always asking questions. God is always speaking. We just don't get quiet to hear. People will tell you God doesn't speak to that. I submit to you that he does. And he's always talking. He talked to Job. He talked to Noah. He talked to Elijah. Talk to Jonah. Here we see from the beginning, he talked with Adam every day. Verse 8, let's pick it up at verse 8. This is a whole other message for another time, and, I, and we'll get to it one day. I promise you will, but we will. But let's look at verse 8. And they, Adam and Eve, and they heard the voice of the Lord. Why do you hear the voice of the Lord? Because God's always speaking. You got to get rid of the noise. You got to have your quiet time, your daily quiet time. God's trying to speak to you every day. Get rid of the noise. 
And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden. In the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. The Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Oh, that's a whole message right there. God had provided the trees for them, for shelter from the, from the sun. It had the fruit uh, where they could eat and be provided for. And now they're hiding themselves behind the stuff that God provided for them. That's a message within a message. God's provided you a house, a, a, a home, uh, kids, a car, a job. And then we go and hide behind that stuff and say, God, I can't talk to you right now because I'm, I'm hiding behind the stuff that you provided for me. Stop hiding behind the stuff that God provided for you. Stop making excuses. Hiding behind your job, your money, your career, your degree. You can't serve God because you're so smart now. When you pray that God would get you a degree and get you a job and get you a career, and now you're hiding behind the same stuff that he provided for you, saying, God, I, I'd like to talk to you, but, uh, but, uh, but, uh, but I don't have time, so i got to hide from you. Behind this stuff, that, by the way, thank you for the stuff that you provided for me, but i got to hide behind it so we can't talk anymore. Adam and Eve are hiding behind this stuff. Stop hiding behind this stuff. And now you're in this predicament, and God's asking you, like he asked Elijah. What are you doing here? But look what he asked Adam. Oh, and by the way, when, when Satan told them, Satan tried to tell them you'd be just like God, you'd be, you know, good and evil, which was true. But he, he remember, he doesn't tell the whole story. He didn't tell them they would be afraid and they would hide from God and they would break fellowship with God. So don't, don't listen to Satan. He's only he's always telling you a half story, scripture out of context, a cliche. You can't live by scriptures out of context, half scriptures and cliches. You've got to get the whole word of God so you can have a real relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Verse 8, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord called unto Adam. He called unto Adam. And he said, um, Adam, where are you? God's asking someone, where, where are you? And remember, he's not talking about a physical location. He's talking about your spiritual situation. He's not talking about your bodily position. He's talking about your sin condition. And he's asking you, where are you? He asked Elijah, what are you doing here? They asked Jonah, what are you, what are you doing here? And again, Adam did with any self-respecting husband that's trying to avoid the questions, the hard questions. He's not going to answer them. What is he going to do? He's going to blame his wife. God help us. Because we're always looking for somebody to blame. It's the boss, it's the school, it's the teacher, it's the police, it's society. But it's Satan. Because people are working for Satan. And it's a sin condition. It's a syndemic. It's systemic sin. That's the cause of it. That's the root. Get to the root of the problem. It wasn't Adam's wife. It was because he committed sin that he's hiding from God and he's afraid of God. And that he's in the situation that he's in is because of the sin in the world. 
Verse 10 in the verse 9 and the Lord God called unto Adam and said, Adam, where are you? And he said, I heard your voice in the garden. Come on, God's always speaking. He heard his voice and he said, I was afraid. See, when we're in the midst of sin, we're afraid of God and we don't understand the true nature of God. Because if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Tells us that in the book of 1 John in, in Romans 8, it says that nothing shall separate us from the love of God and all things work together for good. So even when we blow it, even when we commit sin, we run to God and confess our sin and God works it out for good. Yes, we have to deal with consequences, but we don't have to be under the condemnation of sin, although we still have to deal with consequences. But then, then in uh, Romans 8, it says nothing shall separate us from the love of God. So why are we running from God? We should be running to God. Verse 10, and he said, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree where I commanded that you should not eat? And he said, the woman to whom you gave me, as if it was, not only did he blame me, but he blamed God too. God, you gave me this woman. It's her fault. Amen. <laughs> uh, and the wife said, amen, because they know they, we, we blame them for everything because we don't want to be transparent and real with God and ask ourselves these questions. Where I'm at has nothing to do with my wife. That's strictly between me and God. Has nothing to do with her. It's my vertical relationship, not my horizontal relationship. I have to take responsibility for where I am with God. It has nothing to do with her. And I'll tell you another, um, give you another insight. When you stand before God, men, it's going to be you and God, and that's it. Whoever you try and blame, null and void. Not going to happen. Adam wanted to pass the buck. Uh, then uh, why? So this is where we get it from, just blaming others. And then um, he told, him, told God in verse 12, and the man said, the woman to whom you gave me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. And the Lord said unto, unto the woman, what is it that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent, the serpent tricked me and I did eat. So everybody just passed the buck. So nobody takes responsibility. It's, <laughs> he says it's her fault. She says it's the snake's fault. It's the Satan's fault, uh, which is true. But we have the free choice to humble ourselves and be obedient to God or not. And that's why we find ourselves in the predicament because of my rebellion and straight up sin against God. Let's go back to Jonah. God's full of questions. We just have to make sure that we're asking. God's trying to speak to someone's heart this morning. So you got to be transparent, transparent with God. If we're going to develop an intimate relationship with God, we have to be transparent. If we're going to grow in God and be effective ministers and ambassadors for Christ, we have to ask ourselves transparent questions. And remember, all this is going down in the midst of the storm. Until you and I surrender to Christ, nothing changes until we surrender. We've got to humble ourselves and repent. That's not only how change takes place, but godly transformation takes place through humility and repentance and then obedience. Fourth question, uh, Jonah 1 and 8, the fourth question. What is your country? 
What is your country? Here's what God's asking us to question. Do you identify with a country or a kingdom? <laughs> Why are we settling for a country when God's offering us a kingdom? Who do you identify with this morning? Do you identify with this? Does your status as an American supersede your status as a, as a child of the kingdom? What country, what, do you identify with a neighborhood, a city, a color, or a country? Or do you identify with the kingdom of God? Are you a kingdom citizen this morning? This is what God is asking you and I in the midst of a storm. Why am I settling for a country and a nation when God has offered me the kingdom of God? Yeah, what country? It's a country versus a kingdom. Who do you represent? Let's look quickly at Matthew 18 in verse, verses 3 through 5 family, I submit to you that we all should identify. That's why we get mixed up and get caught up in stuff that we shouldn't be involved in, find ourselves in the midst of a storm. We forget we're kingdom citizens. You make an allegiance to a country that's going to fade away, that's only been here for 244 years, or that's temporary when God is offering, offering us an eternal kingdom? Through Jesus Christ? What country are you from? Are you a kingdom citizen? Matthew 18. This is Jesus talking. Your Bible should be in red. Look what Jesus is saying. It's not an opinion. This is the word of God from the word himself. And he said, I guarantee you, except you be converted, <laughs> except you be born again through Jesus Christ, and become as little children. What he's saying, you got to humble yourself. You didn't create God. God created us. We have to stop creating the God of our own understanding, the God in our own mind. He said, you got to become like little children. What's, what, what do little children represent? Man, they're so loving. They're so trusting. They're so forgiving. Little children are just, just so innocent until they get tainted by us and the world and Satan. And they start off, they're so just, just absolutely adorable and lovable. That's what God is saying. You got to humble yourself like that. Become adorable and lovable again. Get rid of your pride and your arrogance and your intelligence. And humble yourself as a little children, as a little child. He says, let me read the scripture. And he says, I guarantee you until you, I guarantee, I say unto you, Except you be converted and become as little children, you should not enter into the kingdom of heaven, underlying kingdom of heaven. God is offering us a kingdom through humility and obedience. Whosoever therefore, verse four, whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> How do you accomplish greatness according to God, not to the world? How do you accomplish success and greatness according to the word and not to the world, but humble yourself as a little child and you'll be great in the kingdom of God. Underline kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. They asked Jonah, what country are you from? I'm asking you, what kingdom do you represent? The kingdom of light or the kingdom of darkness? In the midst of your storm, ask yourself, you will answer your own question. Why am I in this situation? Ask, answer the question. Which kingdom do you represent? 
Verse five, and whosoever shall receive one such little child in my name receives me. Christ is saying you got to got to look out for the kids. And as servants of Christ, we definitely have to take care of little children before they're born and after they're born. Can't go around killing little children before they're born and saying we represent Christ and the kingdom of God. Biblically correct. Read it for yourself. Let's go back to Jonah and let's finish up. Last question. What's what people? What's your people? Who do you represent? What people do you identify with? <laughs> do you identify with your people because of their color, because of their political affiliation? Because of the city, the state, the country they live in? Because of their language, what people, what people do you identify with? Look at 2 Corinthians 6 and 18. What people do you identify with? Second Corinthians 6 and 18. God says, and I will be your father. I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, said the Lord Almighty. <laughs> what people do you identify? Are you a child of God this morning? It only comes through Jesus Christ and being born again. God says, I will be your father. You will be my people. You'll be my sons and daughters. We're all created by God, but we're not all children of God. See, the world tries to, say, tries to say, let's all get along. We're all children of God. Not true. It's a lie. The word says, until you're born again, John 3 and 3, until you're regenerated from above, you're not going to see the kingdom of heaven. It talks about the kingdom of again, a kingdom of again. And then God says right here, I want to be your father and you will be my sons and daughter. And that only comes through Jesus Christ. So they asked, let's go back to Jonah 1 and 8. So they asked Jonah these five questions. Dealing with his predicament, his purpose, his position, his place, and his people. And remember, it's all personal. This is what God is asking you. Where are you at? Who do you identify with? Why are you here? Where are you? What are you doing? Are you committed to the kingdom? Or are you just going to settle for a country? You want to be a child of God? Or just someone that was created by God and never fulfilled their purpose in God because you never became a child of God? And then look what Jonah did in verse 9. And he said unto them, I'm a Hebrew. He went right to who he is. He ignored all the predicament because he knew all the other stuff. Make a note, family, because who we are in God takes priority, takes precedence, supersedes the predicament that we're in. The predicament, the situation, the storm is inconsequential because once I'm in God, God has it all covered. 
Jonah didn't even answer the others. The first thing he answered, he said, I'm a Hebrew. I'm a child of God, which changes the game from the storm and everything else that you and I are going through. When you recognize who you are in God. Jonah had a come to Jesus meeting. Jonah had a moment of, of clarity. And he said, I'm a Hebrew. Changes everything. Family, when we get to the point where we understand that I'm a child of God, I'm a child of the kingdom, I'm a born again Christian, then we see how big our God is and how little this storm is. We saw how big our God is and even how little and inconsequential our success is. It's priorities that comes from our purpose and knowing who we are in God. Let me finish and says, read this and we're wrapping up. The first question Jonah answered was the last question they asked him because it's the most important question and it's personal. Who are you this morning? It's the first question we must answer. In the midst of the storm, in the midst of the storm, have you forgotten who you are? In the midst of everything that's going on in your life, have you forgotten who you are? Our connection and commitment must remain to Christ, even in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the predicament, the purpose, the position, the place, the people. It's all personal. Your, your predicament doesn't supersede who you are in Christ. The storm exposes who we are. That's all it does. And so I ask you again. In the midst of the storm. In the midst of these five questions. Have you forgotten who you are? Let's go on and pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We bless you. God, we just examine our own hearts <laughs> this morning as you've asked questions that expose us and we have to deal with it. Can we be transparent enough to deal with our predicament, our purpose, our position, our place, and our people in Christ? Can we be transparent enough to understand right where we are is exposing who we are? God, you use the pandemic, the storm, the success, the failure to expose who we really are. We know we can only belong to one or two families. God, forgive us. We repent of our sins. The ones we tried to pretend didn't happen, the ones that we want to cover up and sweep under the rug. We come clean and we confess. We forsake it. God. We don't want to practice any type of sin that's displeasing to you. We all struggle, but we all don't have to practice sin. God, we want to practice righteousness. We want to be common sense, practical, practicing Christians each and every day, practicing common sense Christianity, Lord, which glorifies you, which is obedient to you. Practicing living for you, practicing the love, the kindness, the mercy, the humility, the obedience, the goodness, 
the faithfulness, the self-control, all are the fruit of the Spirit. And we want that to reflect that we are children of God, children of the kingdom, even in the midst of the storm. So we ask your forgiveness and we receive it now, Lord. And we thank you. <laughs> thank you that we're born again through Jesus Christ. Thank you for the forgiveness of sins. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Maybe you were invited to the Zoom or someone pushed the share button and you got the message through Facebook and you say, Pastor, I've never accepted Jesus Christ into my heart as my Lord and Savior. I always just thought it was something somebody just said and I thought it was just a, a game or a scheme or, you know, I didn't think it was real. But after hearing the message this morning, I understand that Jesus Christ is real. There is physical evidence, there's spiritual evidence and circumstantial evidence that supports and validates the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, shedding his blood to forgive us of our sins. And if you've never accepted Jesus Christ into your heart as your personal Lord and Savior, and you want to be born again this morning, it just means being regenerated from above. It's something we all had to do. The word of God says in Romans 10 and 13, whosoever shall call upon the Lord shall be saved. God says, whoever. God doesn't discriminate. We do, but God doesn't. God said, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Then in Revelations chapter 7 and verse 9, it says that every kindred, every tribe, every tongue, every nation, everybody was in heaven worshiping God. God doesn't discriminate. We do, but God doesn't. So it's just as simple as that. We all had to come that way. We all got issues, we all got struggles. A title doesn't exempt you from struggling in this life. Being born again doesn't exempt you from issues and problems. It just means now that I'm going through with God. And it means that I can cast all my cares upon Christ because Christ cares for me. Because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. You've been carrying around stuff for too long, you cast it on God, then you pick it back up. And if you're not saved, you don't have anywhere to cast it. So you're carrying stuff and it's weighing you down and it's stressing you out and it's killing you literally and physically. But God said, cast it all upon me. I care for you. The word says if we're free in Christ, has come to set us free. If we're free in Christ, we're free indeed. You don't have to carry that stuff around. Said God has come to give us life, a blessed life, an extraordinarily supernatural life in Christ. Says we're God's special treasure, but the enemy wants us to live like trash as we're deceived by all his schemes and tricks and gimmicks. But if you want to confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's really simple. It's not complicated. You just ask Christ to come into your heart. It's something that we all did. You don't have to be in church to do it. You don't have to even verbalize it. It's just you saying, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Take over my life and make me the person you created me to be. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for resurrection, resurrecting that third day. Lord Jesus, fill me with your Holy Spirit so I can have the power to live for you.
I receive you now as my Lord and Savior. I commit my life to you. Help me to be humble and obedient and serve you all the days of my life. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. It's just as simple as that. You don't have to get up and jump and fall out on the floor and jump around. It's just you having a heart-to-heart connection with God. That's all it is. You might not feel anything. You know, it's not about a feeling. It's about faith, trusting God, and asking God through Jesus Christ to take over your life. It's that simple. Don't complicate it. Don't get technical. God's greatness is beyond our understanding. <laughs> Don't try and understand it. Just receive and embrace Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you've done that, please send, send me an email, life at southbayaoc.com. If you have any prayer needs, prayer requests, praise reports, please email us. We'd love to know. Life at southbayalc.com. Those of you on Facebook, I want to thank you for sending a direct message to me. I receive it. I'm praying. Thank you so much. You can send it either way. We're praying. We're receiving it. And thank you for the privilege of praying for you. Again, that's life at southbayalc.com. Bible study is this Wednesday night. 6.30 to 7.30, we will be in the book of 1 Kings chapter 20. Read the chapter in preparation for the study. It's just an incredible chapter, as even we touched in chapter 19. God speaking in that still, small voice. God giving instruction in the midst of a cave, in the midst of our running and hiding and being afraid. God finds us, asks us, what are you doing here? and then gives us instruction so we can get back into the purpose of God, the will of God, going in the direction that God has for us. So principles that we're just unpacking on Wednesday nights, you wanna be there, 6.30 to 7.30. The Zoom link is on our website, southbayalc.com. You wanna visit this Wednesday. If you haven't been all month, make a note, visit this Wednesday. It's life-changing. It is absolutely life-changing. And then for those of you that are giving, I just want to say thank you again. Uh, whether you give once a month, twice a month, once a week, uh, once a quarter, it is greatly appreciated. We're biblically correct. We're not trying to be politically correct. Your giving allows us to keep getting the message out. We're not going to compromise. We're not going to water it down. I'm not a politician. I'm a pastor. And people are hungry for the word of God. People need the word of God. And your giving allows us just to keep broadcasting literally all around the world through live stream. So thank you for your giving. Remember, this message will be posted to YouTube this evening. You can find it under South Bay Abundant Life Church and just put the date in to 2021. Put in Pastor Jerome V. Carter, Jerome Vincent Carter. Put in the date to bring you to this message. Copy the link, text it to someone share it with them and just say, listen to it for two or three minutes and let me know what you think. Evangelize, it's as simple as that. So do you post it to YouTube and then by the end of the week, it should be posted to our website as well. So I wanna thank you. Um, I look forward to seeing you Wednesday night. Remember we're praying and fasting. We're having our first meal after service. So enjoy your meal, be blessed. Um, and let's, Let's come together Wednesday night and continue in the word. 
Ask yourself the five questions in the midst of the storm. Whenever you see yourself, your priorities just sliding, or you're not sure where you should be, go to Jonah 1.8. Read those five questions. Pull up this message. Listen to it again. Let it minister to your heart. God is with you. God loves you. God knows where you are. Do you know where you are spiritually? Are you hiding? Is a storm causing you to run from God? Are you, is God looking for you in the storm? Or are you looking for God? Lord, we thank you. We love you. We bless you. We need you, Lord. Again, we ask you and we thank you for the forgiveness of sins. We thank you, Lord, for exposing us in the midst of a storm. The storm exposes us as we try to hide from you. But the storm exposes who we are and where we are. So, God, we pray that we'll be looking for you at our highest mountain. And in the midst of the storm, God, we're still looking and running to you. Forgive us, Lord, for not running to you in the storm, not trusting you in the storm. But we thank you, Lord, that we're now committed to you, committed to the kingdom, committed to be children of God in the midst of the storm, wherever we are, we will not forget who we are. Oh, we love you. We bless you. We thank you that you've come to give us life and that more abundantly. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you, South Bay Abundant Life Church family, Facebook family, Zoom family. God bless you. Go and live the word. Revelation, transformation, application. Live the word. Apply it to your life. I look forward to seeing you on Wednesday night. Lord willing, God bless you.